Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. And tried to intimidate you, to dull you, to slow you down. And tonight, I believe that God is going to speak to you. I really saw, saw people being able to understand how the enemy comes against you as an individual with your fears within and how it can oppress with circumstances without, where they can be beyond your control. But either way, God's the victor. And God is with you and He'll give you the victory through what He is going to do in and through you tonight. Are you open? Are you ready to hear from God? Come on, let's just praise Him. Father God, we honour You and we trust You. And we say regardless of what we feel or what we experience, we determined to put our hope and our trust in You. Lord, we are Your vessels. Lord, we sang earlier, Do I am a child of God and we honour You and thank You for that. Amen? Amen. Please take your seats, folks. Tonight I want to have a look at one of my favourites. I've I've got a lot of favourites. I'm like Glenda. I love them all. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, sitting in front of Glenda is gorgeous. Um, she said, oh, I love this song. Oh, I love this song. This is my favourite song. This is my favourite. They're all her favourites. <laughs> That's really cute. But uh, I want to read um, and have a look tonight from the, um, the life of Gideon. So if you've got your Bibles, we've got some um, Scripture passages from Judges 6. And um, just to give you, I'm looking for a title for this message and it was the toss-up between Groundhog Day or <laughs> Breaking the Cycle. It's, uh, there's a, a, a something about this. Did you ever see that movie a few years back, Groundhog Day? It's like, oh, here we go again. Here we go again. Oh, no, not again and again. And it was like that for the children of Israel. Back in the, the days of the judges, um, before Israel um, got their kings, different kings, um, Gideon was alive at this time. And um, it starts off in Judges 2 and verse 10. It says, Another generation grew up and they did not know God nor what he had done for them. And that can happen. That can happen to any generation. But this was a time in Israel's history that we can draw a lot of parallels to what we're experiencing now. There was a generation that grew up, they didn't know God, and they didn't know what he had done for them, bringing them out of uh, the land of Egypt. So let's have a look. And, and um, in um, Judges 6, it starts off, um, this is a reoccurring pattern. You can read this. The whole book of Gideon, a lot of the chapters start with this, this line. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And in seven years, he gave them over to the Midians because of the power of the Midians um, had oppressed them. And they were hiding in the cliffs and in the mountains and in other strongholds. The children of Israel had done evil in the sight of God by worshipping false gods and other idols. And so Israel's disobedience resulted in, in this idol worship. The groundhog, the, the cycle that they got caught in was disobedience, rebellion, oppression, repentance, deliverance. And this went over and around and around and around. 
They were disobedient. They got into worshipping false gods and idols. They rebelled against what God wanted for them and the prophets and those that God spoke through. They came under oppression. The consequences of their actions, they felt it. And then they were, there was oppression of the enemy. And then there was repentance. They cried out to God. God would send another prophet. And then there would be deliverance. And this was what was happening in, um, at that time. And, you know, God had always, he had established a covenant relationship with the children of Israel. And he longed for that love relationship that had loyalty and trust and obedience. Tina talked about that around communion this morning. That God had set in place this covenant. And the children of Israel knew this. And they had known God. They had known a relationship with him. And they had, and God longed to be their father God and to let the, that, um, but when they were in this, this place of rebellion, he had to let them suffer the consequences of their disobedience. All the transformation guys and girls know what consies are. The children of Israel didn't learn. They were not very smart sometimes. It was around and around and around they went. And so um, there was this incredible oppression and so much so that um, the Midianites would come and attack their livestock. And the, the Bible says they were like swarms of locusts. They would just blow in and devour everything. And this left the children of Israel um, fleeing for their lives, hiding and oppressed and, and, uh, and just really, really in a fearful place. This went on routinely. The Midianites came down and attacked the Israelites, ruining their crops, destroying their livelihood, taking and stealing their food and their water. These regular attacks on their homes robbed them of their confidence in their safety. And they were so desperate, they would cry out to the Lord, as I said, and a prophet would come. They would listen for a while and repent and um, things would go back to relative peace. But Gideon at this time was um, one of the, the judges that God wanted to raise up. But let's have a look. We'll pick up where, um, where he is, where he's found. Where can we pick him up? Verse 7, the Israelites. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree at Oprah and began, and, and began um, to where Gideon had been threshing the wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, um, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Sir, Gideon replies, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about and, and when, they brought, when you brought us out of Egypt? But now, Lord, you have abandoned us and put us into the hands of the Midianites. The Lord didn't answer that, that grumble and complaint. He, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that I have given you and save Israel out of the hand of Midian, for I am sending you. Instead of addressing the consequences and the complaints, he had reason to complain. He went straight to calling. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. He was looking and he was oppressed and, and he, was, he was actually, in, in fact, he was hiding. When, when there's um, the enemy oppresses and attacks, the most natural thing that we do is to want to hide. 
and retreat. People stay home. I spoke to a lady this morning and I said, hello, where have you been? And she, she said to me, I've been under such spiritual attack. I've been so oppressed, I couldn't come to church. And I thought, wow, that is really, really sad. I don't underestimate what she's been going through. There wasn't time to go into all the details. And I thought, but why did you hide from the presence of God? Why did you stay away when you were under such attack? You know, we could have prayed at the very least. (laughs) We could have, you know, joining in praise and in worship and in unity. There's power to really to push back what the enemy was trying to attack and to to bring upon um, on her life in that in that case. But Jim was down in a wine press. It was like a tank. It was like a concrete or stone tank underground. And when they thrashed wheat in that day, they would throw it and um, throw it up into the air and the, and the wind would take the husks away and the grain would be left. And they, they would do this and you could see it for a fair while. And, and it was meant to be done in the open because, as you imagine, you would get covered in dusk dust and husks and and whatever else that came off the the wheat that was harvested they didn't have machines to do it they had to do it all manually then they would take the grain it was like they'd have this like this giant sieve and they were holding it like a big dish and tossing it and swirling it and they would themselves get covered instead of doing that out in the open because the Midianites would see them um, harvesting and, and preparing the wheat and come through and attack and steal all their, all their crops and, and um, take off. And so he was hiding in a tank and doing this when the angel of the Lord came. So when the angel of the Lord said to him, um, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He didn't really feel like much of a mighty warrior. Hiding down in a tank underground, and, you know, hot, covered in dust. And uh, he wasn't feeling mighty or worry, warrior-like. He was fearing and for his life. But the Lord went on and said, I am calling you. And he, he, gave, him, he gave him a commission. And, it, and then he goes on to say, um, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that I... And that I give you and I will save Israel from out of the Midianites' hands for I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered again, I will be with you and you will strike the ground of all the Midianites altogether and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that I may really that uh, that it is ready that I really know that you are talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back with an offering. So the Lord waited. So it had been a long time. Gideon had been um, had this a distorted perception of who he really was because he says that. He's, he doesn't feel like a warrior, but he says, how can I go for you, Lord? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm a nobody and my family are the least of the nobodies. That was what this sort of attack had reduced him to thinking about himself. 
this was the battle he was fighting within himself. And this, but this wasn't the truth. What the angel of the Lord said to him was true. In fact, he was a mighty warrior. He was from a royalty. His family were, were part of the elite. They were part of the ruling caste. And he was, he was actually a young leader that was to go on to be one of the judges in this book. Like he, he had a, a call of God on his life. He had clearly by, by calling and by pedigree, he was, he was not a nobody and his family were not the, the least of the nobodies. That's what fighting against internal enemies and external enemies can do to you. It can reduce you to a distorted angel pressed on and, and wouldn't give up with his, his complaints against God for not helping and then his excuses and then his, his um, giving up. I just give up. I'm a, you know, he's not even going to try. No, the angel waited. So Gideon went off and he prepared a meal and he brought it back. And, um, and then the angel in verse 20 I'm just going to go through a couple of chapters, six and seven, because it's just such a great story. I encourage you to read it through in your own devotions and see what God will show you through it. And so in verse 20, it says, The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on a rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did what he said. And he tipped um, the tip of his staff um, he took it in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire fled up from the rock and consumed the meat and the bread and then the angel disappeared. And Gideon was left standing there, surprised. He, he then says, when Gideon realized in verse 22 that it was really an angel of the Lord, he wasn't dreaming this up and he wasn't, he wasn't tricked. He was really a, a, an angel of the Lord. He, he exclaimed, oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And then the Lord spoke to him, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. <laughs> and in that circumstance... God gave him his peace. He, he called him. He then um, consumed, he accepted his offering. He confirmed that he was really talking to him, that this was really God by a supernatural act. And each time we can see as Gideon, we progress with Gideon, he begins to change. His language begins to change. His behavior begins to change. And as a result, the people of Israel get freedom and deliverance. I know I'm talking to you tonight. <laughs> There's some really specific men and women sitting right here that God is talking to you tonight from this story. He wants you to know he calls you. He knows your family situation. He knows the oppression the enemy has put on you, but he also knows the fears that you fought with inside, the fears within and the oppression without. And he wants you to keep saying yes, keep taking steps of obedience and look out, see what God can do with your life. So Gideon then goes on and get this, Holy Spirit, God's Spirit comes and gives him peace. 
Gideon immediately recognizes the presence of God. He builds an altar to the Lord and he calls it peace. Okay, so the altar's called peace. And that very same night, the Lord said to him, take a bull from your father's herd um, and the one of the seven, one about seven years old, and tear down the altar to Baal that your father has set up and cut down the ashen poles beside it. Now, this is a big deal. Um, and then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of it. <laughs> and so using the wood from the ashen poles that you cut down, light a second fire and um, offer the bull as a, a fragrant offering to the Lord. Now, Gideon was, um, I told you he was a man of influence. Have a look at verse 27. Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Because he was afraid of his family and the men in the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Like He did it, but he did it scared. But he still did it. He took a step of faith. He's gone from I'm, the, I'm a nobody and um, my family is a nobody of nobodies to taking 10 men at his disposal and cutting down, bringing the peace, bringing the presence of God back into his family altar. And he, he not only was tackling um, this, you know, the oppression around them from outside, now it's in his father's house. And his father had set this up. So what happens? Verse 28. In the morning, when the men of the town got up and the Baal altar was demolished with all the ashen poles beside it, um, it cut down and the second bull had been sacrificed on a new altar. They asked each other, who did this? And they carefully investigated Gideon, the son of Joash, did it. And the men of the town determined that he be brought out and he must die for taking down Baal's order, altar and cutting down the ashen poles. And they, they crowded around him. And then Joash, the father, realises what his son has done, has more courage than he did. And he stands up for him and says, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you people going to honestly kill my son because he has, um, you know, done this and to, to, to lift up Baal over God. Um, are you trying to save him? And, that, and then a fight broke out. And, um, and so Gideon, Gideon went ahead then. That settled down. So Gideon now is um, down in verse 34. It says, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon. And he blew a trumpet, summoning the, the Abrazites Aber, <laughs> to follow him. He sent messages throughout Manasseh, calling all of them to arms, um, also in Asher and Zebulun. And they went out to meet with him. And Gideon said to the Lord, if you will save Israel by by my hand, as you have promised. Look, he, he then has another step of faith, right? He, has, he recognizes the spirit of the Lord has come upon him and he blows this trumpet. And that's basically summonsing all the men to war. This is his greatest step of obedience yet. 
This isn't just doing something in the, your father's you know, house amongst your own relatives. This is taking on the enemy in his own turf, out in the world, so to speak. And he blows a trumpet, summonsing and calling all his um, connections to the, um, the children of Israel to come. And they, and they come and Gideon says, I've, I really, I know you're with me. I feel your peace. I know I'm on the right track. But can you just give me a little sign? I just need to know that I know that I know that you're really going to help me. I know I've had all this, you've been with me in the supernatural fire and the angel and I know, but can you please just give me another sign? So then in verse 36, um, Gideon says to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor and if there is dew only on the fleece and dry on the ground, then I will know that you are with me and that you'll save Israel by my hand. And so Gideon rose early the next day and squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. So, so God humors him. Yes, okay, is that enough? And then Gideon said, please don't be mad with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test to the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground wet. So that night, the Lord did that. And only the fleece was dry and all the ground was wet. And so he had to, this, you know, he just was testing. He still had doubts that he was hearing from God. We all have them. There are times when, when you've been through a, a battering, whether it's, you know, failure in relationship and you've, you've lost your confidence. God is not going to condemn you for questioning and saying, God, if you're really, really, really with me, can, can there be, you know, three yellow taxis in a row go past before I... So I'll know that I know that I know that you really are leading me and guiding me. And so God does this for him. And uh, because the next thing that he is asking of Gideon is um, then to early in the morning... Um, is he assembles with the men and they go on, um, they're getting ready to attack the enemy. And just, there, was, um, there were thousands of them. They were, they were greatly outnumbered, even with, um, even with those that, uh, that uh, he had assembled. They still had way more. And so the Lord says to, to, um, to Gideon, there's too many of you. And send home anybody that's afraid. And so 22,000 men left. Left 10,000 remained. So all these men left and he was left with 10,000. And the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. So I think that... the. He's gained a bit of confidence and trust in God with all by now. He says, okay, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, take them down to the water and I'll sift them for you there. If, if um, uh, the ones that should stay are the ones that, that lift their hand to their mouth to drink like this. And those that get down and lap like dogs. Um, the reason for that, I imagine is that 
if a person just flopped in the water and just drank, they were not aware of any of the surroundings. They were not there to help anybody, defend anybody. They were just there for themselves. They were just there to refresh themselves and to drink as much as they could. And those that knelt down and drank like this, they had their sword there. They were watching. They, they still drank, but they were there for everyone. They were there for their team. They weren't just there for themselves. That's why God said, send the scaredy cats home. Send the selfish ones home. And then anybody else that wants to go home, now's your chance, go. And so he was left with 300 men, 300 against hordes. And so those that lapped like dogs went home. And then um, it comes the time they camped, the, t- the, the time before uh, they're getting ready to, to attack the Midianites. And, and Gideon just wants a little bit more reassurance he just wants to know, you know, are you really, really, really with me? Is this, this going to work? Is it going to, you know, I've got 300 men and there's like, it's really, um, he said, look, go down to the enemy's camp. If you're afraid, just go down and, and stay on the outskirts of the camp and to what they're saying. So Gideon in verse 13, this is chapter 7 now. Gideon arrives just as a man is telling a friend a dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon of Gash, <laughs> Joash, the Israelite. And, and God, uh, Israelite, God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hand. <laughs> this is the enemy talking about Gideon. Like they've all, they, they are saying that he's going to defeat them. So when Gideon heard this dream and the interpretation, he worshipped God and he returned back to the children of Israel and he said, get up, get up and, uh, and take, uh, get up from your camp. And he divided the, the men into three sections. He gave them torches with a light, an empty pot and a trumpet. And he said, Watch me and follow me and do what I say, do what I do. So his language had changed. His language had changed. He's now a leader and he's doing what God had always called him to do. He gave him a strategy. He gave him confidence. He gave him confirmation after confirmation. Now he knew from his own hands that something supernatural was going to take place. And so he then had positioned himself. So then they go around the edge of the camp and it was in the night time and they waited for a changing of guard and they assembled all surrounded the camp at night of the Midianites. And then he said to, um, to the company, blow your trumpets and then smash the jars, let your light shine and shout the Lord's praises. So that's what they did. And the roar, the Midianites waking up from their, their sleep and uh, hearing these, the smashing of these 300 pots, the trumpets blasting and echoing all around where they had been camped and the torches lit. It, they looked like they were surrounded by thousands. 
they, in the panic, it says that they all turned on one another and they started fighting each other and they were defeated. And, and not only um, the sword, this is the, uh, the sword of the Lord. And there were 300 trumpets that they blew in the camp. And then all these, and the, the, um, the enemies came out of their tents running and they ran into each other and um, killed each other. And then those that fled, they followed them after them and um, completely was a complete and utter victory <laughs> for the children of Israel at that time. But God had supernaturally handed them over to him, to Gideon and his 300 men. There had been, uh, the victory was, was more than just clever strategy and, and uh, wisdom of man. Gideon had a wisdom that came from God. He had a calling. He had a, an understanding of what God was wanting to do in setting, using him to set the children of Israel free. Not only that, but he had, he'd experienced the oppression of what it was like to, um, to, to have your identity distorted. He had a crisis of identity. He had the fears within and he had the uh, literal enemy without. And I know that that, um, that like Gideon, there is people here. I know I, what I said earlier tonight. I really believe that God has you here. And there has been a battle within and a physical, a spiritual battle, oppression from without. And perhaps you've been experiencing fears for your own health, for your own well-being. If there's been um, things that have come against you and, and drained your confidence Maybe you have felt like this. Maybe you have questioned and second-guessed, am I really hearing from God? Do you really want me to do this? Is this the next step for me? And there's so much at stake here. God wants to restore your sense of purpose and dignity of who you are. He calls you. He equips you. He will guide you. And when you make an altar of peace within your own heart and life, he will minister and meet you there. And he will bring a great victory and trump the enemy. Like this story of Gideon, there was so much against them. And with just with torches and, and trumpets and smashing a little you know, clay pot to, to let their light shine. You know, God won, got the glory because he magnified the influence and amplified the sound of 300 men. And so much so that the enemy turned on themselves and fought each other in the chaos of the night. And I know that God wants to bring that kind of victory over your lives. He wants to restore you. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You are born for more than this. Just if I could have the worship team up, please. That song, I am who you say I am. When you're under attack, as I said, the most natural thing to do is to retreat and to hide and, but, you know, when there are times when we need to face our fears and our insecurities, 
And then there's a time where to really be honest and say, God, I need your help. And whether this has come from within your family, the things that they've been doing, like Gideon's father had set up an altar to Baal, a false god, right in the center of his home. And he had to uh, challenge his own father, his own family, to live in a right way before God. You may be in a situation like that. But there's also a time to push back the enemy's attack. Like that poor lady, I just, I just was saddened this morning when, I, when she said, we've been so under attack that I've just stayed at home. And I thought, but there's time. And I said to her, now's time for deliverance. Now's the time to push back. And she sort of just looked at me and there wasn't much time to explain what I meant. But you've got to push back in the spirit of God. There has to be a time when you reclaim, when you take back what the devil stole from you. He's robbed your peace. You take it back in Jesus' name. He's robbed your confidence. You say, I am who I, you say. I am a child of God. Your family, we push back. Where there's a lamb for a house, we're praying for salvation for our family. For anyone connected to you, whether that's through, through natural birth, bloodlines, or through relatives or stepchildren, we claim them back. For, for the Lord Jesus Christ, over your health. The enemy can try to attack. I've had a lot of attack in recent years over my health, but I push back in Jesus' name. And God keeps healing me and keeps delivering me, and I'm not going to quit. <laughs> so tough luck. I just keep pushing back in Jesus' name because I know who I am. You said I'm a child of God, and the best is still yet to come. And blessings for our future. We take back what the enemy has stole from us. And even as a church and a congregation, we're not just going to be hidden in this little back street. We're going to be the centre of this town where people know that they can find life, they can find Christ, they can find restoration, healing and redemption in a group of people. Gideon had 300, but the Lord was on his side. And, and if we're obedient, each time we take a step of faith, Gideon's confidence grew. His understanding and relationship with God grew. His language changed. He stopped talking about himself in a negative terms. And he said to the men, watch me, follow me, do what I do. He became a leader and he led them through to victory. Not only the 300, but the whole children of Israel at that time, Thousands of people were blessed because of one man's courage and obedience. Why don't you stand with me? I want to sing this song. And we want, I want to just create just a moment here where we can respond. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to push back and give back to God and say, I want your peace in my home. I want your health in my body. I want peace of mind that the enemy has hounded you with thoughts that are just so wrong. He always overplays his hand and he, op he op says the opposite of what you really are and accuses you of, of things that are exactly the opposite of the truth. That you will know the truth of God and he will set you free. 
Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.